When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blue, White and Yellow podcast from Leeds United Live, giving you the in-depth analysis on all the big talking points from Ellen Road. Good afternoon, folks. Hopefully you can hear us over the, the whirring of the lawnmowers here at Ellen Road. I'm Baron Cross, of course, and this is Joe Donoghue of Leeds Live. Um, and we're in the aftermath of the latest point in this season um, for the Whites as they slowly edge their way to safety um, five points now to go by my estimates maybe even a little bit less from the final seven games of the season um, and one of those games that probably won't live too long in the memory um, pretty average both sides had good bits and bad bits the draw is probably fair yeah. Um, yeah not too many major major talking points no, no. No yeah. last gasp excitement like we've had the last few no. weeks before the international break. Um, yeah, it was it was a very average day where two pretty mid-table sides yeah. I think came up against each other and cancelled each other out. Really. Yeah, I think six out of ten probably just describes everything we saw today. Really, it was it was a very very middle of the road, quite hard to get too enthusiastic, but also quite hard to get too pessimistic about it. Really, there were there were some nice bits. Certainly, one or two players stood out. Um, better than others but generally I suppose on a day like this you kind of have to say the attack was decent in at least creating openings but blunt in not finishing them and, and the yeah. defence largely dealt with Southampton quite well but also did invite pressure unnecessarily at times yeah it was, it was I mean I think probably Diego Llorente's performance summed up the, the team's defensive performance as a whole a lot of the, a lot of the problems were, were self-inflicted yeah. but he dug himself out of those and and for the most part, I thought the defending was relatively solid, relatively secure. Mm. Southampton created, but that wasn't as a result of Leeds you know, being, being poor. I think it was just a result of them getting bodies into spaces and being able to build um, build attacks. And it was a similar story for Leeds going forward. I think I mean, we'll get onto it when we talk about sort of individual performances, but I thought Rodrigo had a really, really good game. Um, you know, Knitted everything together in the final third. Um, Rafini had a quiet first half. I think he came into it a little bit more in the second when the game became a bit more stretched, but not vintage from him. No. Um, but I mean, even the likes of Joe Gellhart coming on, and you know, the first two things he did was was, was win fouls. El Yunusi was booked because he, he was sidestepped by Gellhart and had to tug him back. So yeah, I mean, a very average day, but there were definitely positive points. And again, you look at other results and you look at the fact that, that Leeds have picked up a point today. So. If you're looking at it from a, a glass half full perspective, it's, it's one point closer to that that magic figure. Who, which I mean, we don't know, but I mean, you suspect it will probably be around 35. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the reaction today is also helped by the previous two results because they've won those two games. That has even before today's game just took the sting out of things, and it, it meant that that draw was a little bit more permissible, and people aren't quite as, as het up as they might have been. If, you'd imagine if they'd taken, well, if they hadn't had their 90-minute winners in the previous two games, and you're looking at what one point from those six that they got, 
if you, if you were to then draw today in a match that was there for the taking, I mean, Southampton were no great shakes. As you say, both sides were just very middle of the road. It wouldn't have taken much more quality from Leeds just to see that match out. So I think winning the previous two just means that we are a little bit more tolerant of it. But had they not picked up those points, then I think we would all be much more pessimistic and much angrier at how that's, that's a massive opportunity missed because Southampton were not particularly good today. But as it is, that's now three matches unbeaten. Uh, and you have to take the positive, as Joe says. I mean, seven points from the last nine just sounds, yeah. you know, sounds pr- pretty decent for a side that's currently in the bottom five. So um, you take it and run. And as I say, you're looking at maybe a win or a win and a draw and a win and a couple of draws to, to possibly just see Leeds safe. Um, but we'll see by the end of the weekend. And, and, of course, by the middle of next week when Everton and Burnley play each other, that will really... By this time next week, we'll have a very, very clear idea as to how the bottom section of the table is looking going into that Watford game which which does at least as it stands right now does still carry a bit of a sting to it I mean that is a match that if Watford win then it really does open things up again and Leeds suddenly are sort of on high alert but as it is it does still feel quite manageable and and still quite optimistic about Leeds' fate um, so we pick through it um, we have had some answers post-match from, from Jesse Marsh to explain some of the decisions which were a little bit puzzling pre-match so um, Joe Gelhart was the man we, we all kind of expected to start the game and attack in, in Bamford's absence of course something that fans and many was in the press box have wanted for quite some time but, but Marsh has added fuel to that fire in his pre-match press conference and an explanation for why Gelhart was once again on the bench because he just never seems to find that, that rhythm or yeah. that, that training exposure that, that managers need to see from him but Marsh at least uh, put that one to bed for us yeah and it wasn't it's not sort of Gelhard's fault that he's not been able to get that rhythm. Uh, Marsh's response was that um, he, he tested positive, but it turned out it was a false positive uh, during the week. So that cost him a day, day and a half's training. And while you're preparing for a game, you know, as you're getting your tactics ready, you're thinking about your personnel, you're thinking about that starting eleven, and you know, you can't, you can't wait on. You, I mean, if if they're preparing thinking that he's a positive, then um, then you know they they have to they have to you know mitigate the, the circumstances that have been. The, the, they've been faced with so um, yeah I think it's once he gets that rhythm towards the end of the season I mean I mean, even next weekend I think yeah. if he gets a full week yeah, of training right. in him, starting at Watford. I think you could see him doing that um, and that would be good I mean today Jesse Marsh said he was he was, it was the, the best game that he'd seen from Leeds uh, in terms of their counter pressing yeah. it's sort of you know your five second rule stuff so as soon as the you give the ball up you know you, you're wanting to win it back within five seconds yes. you're swarming the opponent um i mean it's it's not something that i was kind of looking out for but i think it was i think he's probably he's probably spot on he probably knows what he's talking about there um and yeah um i think that that, that was kind of leading from the front that was the likes of james and, and rodrigo and gelhart when he came on it certainly felt that way to me. Sort of in those first fifteen to twenty minutes, I felt the counter pressing was a bit more, a bit more sort of at it, a bit more cogent, a bit more sort of um, effective among among the team. Because of course, it is a a tactical style which requires the players to understand that relationship and, and the rotations, as as Jesse puts it. So I think I think it did look much more effective today, which is um, encouraging at least moving forward that we are seeing those advances. So. As Joe's already said, Gelhart did did make it a difference when he came on, so hopefully that does now mean that if he gets a full week of training, he's got a chance of starting at Watford. The other one, Pascal Stroik, ultimately made it quite an easy decision to, um, to bring Liam Cooper back into the side. That was one of the two changes that 
Marsh made to the, the side that began at Molyneux. Rafini for Bamford, of course, was, was always nailed on. But Cooper, the captain, coming back in for strike. Um, Cooper, very, very solid today. Um, the aerial prowess was there to be seen in all aspects of the game. Um, no, didn't really, really put a foot wrong, despite the fact he hasn't played in nearly four months. And ultimately, if you weren't in the stadium, or even if you were, you may have missed, there was a little bit of confusion with the final sub. So Luke Ayling comes off in the 89th minute and Marsh just admits there was a breakdown in communication. Ultimately, it was Cooper they wanted to bring off because of his, he had a, a heaviness in his legs, just, just you know, absolutely knack after playing 90 minutes at that level after so long out. So that was a, a minor uh, breakdown in communication when you saw him come off and, and Pascal Stroik come on. But um, basically, Stroik tested positive for COVID in the first part of the break and then picked up a small hamstring issue, which, which effectively meant that Cooper had two weeks of uninterrupted training and Stroik didn't. And it just made the decision very easy for Marsh. And I wonder now if that, that now means that injuries aside, Cooper has now got his place in that side for the final seven games. It's very unusual to drop a captain um, unless it's for a suspension or an injury or drastically severe bad form. So you would think that probably left side of defence is his now. And Llorente versus Cock is probably the, the other battle that, that Marsh needs to weigh up. I was a little bit surprised that Llorente that, that continued today, given it the back spasm that he has had problems with over a prolonged period yeah. Marsh said after the Wolves game and he wasn't particularly good in that first half at Molyneux either No, it was a, it was a diff difficult one for him today like, as I said before his, his performance sort of summed up the team's defensive performance you know there was a few instances particularly with Broger the Southampton striker um, early on in the game where I felt as though Broger kind of had his number you know he, he, was, he was more physical than Urentes got a few inches on him in height as well so that obviously helps but you know Urente was was maybe not getting rid of the ball at the, at the, at the most opportune moment at the, at the point where you'd say right okay now if it's out just get it out yeah um, the one time that he did have to um, get rid of it he did when after Melia made a good yeah, save for the challenge Adams. yeah but yeah I mean there were a few problems of his own making but for the most part he was all right there was one uh, big tackle that he made in the second half kind of coming across uh, there was one good goal line clearance that he made actually yeah. um, in the first half. So ups and downs really is, is, is how is how I sort of describe Urente's day. Um, I think Stuart Dallas was steady at left back. Um, I think if we if we if we want to compliment him, he's probably a little bit better than he has been in recent weeks, yeah. where he's maybe been exposed by wide players a little bit more. Maybe that's to do with the fact that Southampton had Broger similarly Adams. narrow shape as well, yeah, don't they? Playing quite narrow, so they weren't down the sides as much. Um, Ailing, it seemed as though Kyle Walker-Peters had had a better day. I think Ailing was dribbled past four times, and Kyle Walker-Peters attempted eleven dribbles today. So, I mean, that kind of tells the story um, of of that flank. He's confident, isn't it, at the moment, Kyle Walker-Peters yeah. after his England, England call up? And yeah, he, he played well, and it, it was no coincidence that his sort of dribble from his own half on the on the uh, near the touchline. He gets out. He beats, seems as though he, he beat pretty much every man twice, twice to, yeah. to get to the um, to get to the edge of the box. Uh, it's fouled on the edge of the area, and then that is the, the, the free kick that ends up um, nestling in, in the top left-hand corner of Melier's goal from uh, James Ward-Prowse. Mm. Um, we talk about the opening Leeds goal. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. It, it took a while in coming. As we said, Leeds did start the game quite well. As we said, the counter pressing stood out for me and. Without cutting Southampton to ribbons, it, it was promising. As we said, Rodrigo played well. He was he was pulling the strings nicely. He was looking for those balls in behind. 
Rafinha and James were flitting in and out of the game without really hurting Southampton. I thought Salisu looked pretty comfortable, to be honest, with whatever was coming his way, even with Dan James's pace. James, again, leading the line, just, just not quite convincing enough. Got a few shots off on goal, but very comfortable for Fraser Forster. And Jack Harrison ends up being in the right place at the right time. But, but apart from that, for me, very, very anonymous again. Just, just not bringing anything to the party for me. Marsh was very, very full of praise for him and, and seems quite happy with what he's bringing. and thinks he is making those important improvements. But generally, just, just not seeing him in, in the cut and thrust of the game. Rafinha keeps the ball in, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. we, we talked about it. Click has that third-man run that we know so well into the right-hand channel, keeps the, the move alive, yeah. pushes it forward into the final third, and then Rafinha just keeps the ball in play on the on the byline, scoops the ball into the air. Southampton are very passive, and, and ultimately, it's, it's almost scuffed in by Harrison, yeah, isn't it? I mean, Forster was rooted. It trickled in. I think Forster was kind of going the, going the opposite yeah. way. His momentum took him uh, to the other side of the goal, and... And as the ball's kind of bouncing around, I think he get, Forster gets a touch on it, kind of comes down, there's a bit of confusion in the South, Southampton defence. And um, he, uh, yeah, Harrison is the beneficiary and kind of prods it, that goal, and it sort of like trickles into the, into the corner. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was deserved. And, and one of the things that I said uh, in the blog was that, you know, in, in previous weeks, in previous months, that's the type of game where Leeds would have, would have started fast as they did. And they wouldn't have made their dominance pay. They wouldn't have made it count with a goal. Um, but today they did. Um, and obviously it proved important because Southampton score with a you know, a low percentage chance, as Jesse Marsh would probably say. Yeah. But ultimately, um, you know, Leeds made sure that they were still in the game because they'd already got that goal. So, um, yeah, I think if you're looking at it from sort of a seven points from nine perspective and, and you know, Jesse Marsh starting to get his, his, his imprint on this team, it's looking all right. I think with Harrison, that ties in with that sort of imprint. You know, if he's asking them to play the wide players to play a bit more narrow, you know, a bit more in sort of yeah. an interior attacking wide field, tentacles, wide tens, yeah. Um, then that'll be there'll, there'll be a learning process there, and there'll be a process of adaptation. So I can see why he's not exactly throwing anybody under the bus. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. What were your thoughts on Melier today? I felt that that first save we've already mentioned in the first half was very very impressive you know, he got across well and denied yeah. Adams which was a very very good chance and, and well executed by Adams but in the second half it just felt like his distribution was well off I think it was strange how he just was ignoring Dallas I mean Dallas was just free time and time again yeah. at left back when Leeds were looking to restart and just, just consistently made the wrong choice and, and invited pressure back on Leeds because Leeds' worst spell was, was, was certainly in the first five, ten minutes of that second half and they just couldn't seem to get out and of course the Southampton goal came during that period. But I don't know, Melier, just, just we've talked about his season generally, but, but again today, I know he's only conceded one goal and it was a pretty good free kick, but again, it wasn't a full-on postage stamp from Warcraft, yeah. was it? I mean, it was, he got, he got fingertips to it at yeah. least. I mean, it's in that area. I mean, in general, I think Melier hasn't hit the heights of last season, but I think he still had a decent level. Um, this year, I mean, today distribution-wise, maybe a little bit lacking. I think we, yeah. we agree on that. Um, made two good saves, um, especially that one from from Chi Adams, um, sort of getting down really low to his left um, when his, his body might not. You know, you look at Melia, yeah. you don't think he'd be able to get down very quickly. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, not his best game. There was a few sort of murmurs from the crowd whenever he was on the ball to try and just. That was it. Into, that was it. Yeah. 
to, Marsh to talks about that, didn't he? The, yeah. the 170. Do you want to explain that to, to the viewers? Yeah, I mean, he, Marsh said he said he wanted the team to maybe slow down at some points. So maybe that was a that was a directive. He was sort of saying that they want them to play 100 to 70. So dropping down from 100% yeah. down to 70%. And he said that the fans obviously understand understandably would want 100 to 150%. Um, but maybe just wants a bit more control controlling the game stopping it being this basketball game yeah or ping pong as well that's the new one isn't it ping yeah. pong yeah. with his lovely Austrian accent there were a lot of second good. balls weren't there today it was yeah, I mean lots. Marsh Marsh was quite happy to put the boots in post match and sort of say it wasn't a particularly pretty game and sort of tones of Bielsa there in terms of talking about it as a, as a, as a product and as a spectacle in that Southampton were quite happy to go vertical, to go long, to pump balls into the box towards Brozier. Ugly, he said, didn't he? Um, Makes the game ugly. And there were an awful lot of second balls and leads. I suppose that's where Phillips comes into the game, really, because that's his bread and butter, really, winning second yeah. balls. And I think with, with Jesse Marsh's style of play, you are going to get a lot of those second balls because it's going to be pinballing around whenever you've got lots mm. of players pressing in the same spaces. Yeah. And, and I think over his, his managerial career he's always had teams where their passing accuracy is, has been lower than the previous manager right um, and that's because that's because of his style yeah um, it's not I mean lower passing accuracy doesn't mean that it's a lower level of performance it's just a, an indicator mm. um, uh, and, and a byproduct of, of what what Marsh wants from his players so yeah I think today the accuracy was around 67% for Southampton 71 for Leeds okay so that's probably why you know lots of Lots of turnover of possession. Yeah, it really was like that. Um, it was it was scrappy at times. Mm. It was ugly, as he said, but I think it was it was enjoyable in parts. Yeah, m- mostly the first half. In the first ten minutes, Leeds created about a third of their ch- their whole match chances. Mm. Um, we um, yeah. we look ahead now, and we've got Watford in a week's time, and uh, we'll see what the week brings. Of course, it's another full week without any interruptions for Marsh and his side to get to get ready. It certainly feels like Gelhart is has got to be in the reckoning there and, and there's going to be a decision he has to make on whether he drops James or Harrison because Rafinha and Rodrigo look pretty set in their ways now Phillips again Marsh alluded post-match to the fact that Phillips is, is getting there now and that was a solid 25 minutes to half yeah. an hour he had he came on in the 66th minute so he had a, a really good run out today and you know, I think we all know that, that ultimately pound for pound he is he's the best midfielder in the team and he, and he has to play really so that quality will need will be needed in, in the starting 11 so again Click or for sure. Click was the guy brought off today, and those comments on Thursday about him not being a natural six might mean that that Forshaw possibly gets the nod alongside Phillips. And the back, the back five, though. I mean, I know we're picking holes in your entity performance, but you would imagine the back five probably stays as it is. Probably does, yeah. I mean, I, I can't see him throwing Cock in there because he decided to bring Pascal on. I, I know yeah, he could have. He could have brought. I mean, I know he meant to make it a sort of a left-sided yeah, centre half change. Yeah. But if his immediate thinking is go to go to Pascal, then maybe Cock is he's maybe thinking is more of that natural six or, mm. or, or four. Um, yeah, I think it probably does stay the same, really, doesn't it? Yeah. There's not really much alternative when we were thinking about fullbacks, especially. There's going to be a lot more jeopardy in that game, isn't there? I think today we know that Southampton are a mid-table side without really much to play for, and Leeds are slowly but surely edging their way in that direction, and it and it did feel like. Just, there just wasn't a lot of skin in the game today. It just didn't feel like it was. Uh, I don't know. I'm quite pleased to be honest because it would have been quite nervy and quite distressing if, if Leeds were coming into this game with with far fewer points on the board. But as it was, they had that breathing room, and that breathing room allows us to look at that game with with a bit more of an open mind and a bit more objectivity. 
Yeah. But next Saturday's not going to have that because Watford are scrapping for their lives and they absolutely have to win that game and that is going to hopefully make for a very open and entertaining spectacle because Watford are going to throw everything at Leeds and they're not going to sit back and put men behind the ball. You know, they they need to attack that game and hopefully that will then lead to space for for Leeds to attack. So hopefully a bit more to it in a week's time. Um, I'm trying to think what's on the agenda. So Monday night, the 23s are in action. Um, Crystal Palace are visiting Allen Road. So if you um, if you've got a free Monday Monday night to yourself to spend, come along, watch the game. If not, sit at home, follow our live blog. I think I'll be coming along to that one on on Monday for my first 23s game in quite a long time. Um, we'll see how we go. Um, anything you want to say? No. Um, just you know, I think the Watford game will be it'll be an in, I mean. I don't think it'll be an enjoyable one. It'll be a nerve-wracking one, I think, oh, given I the uh, given the consequences of, of especially for Watford show any kind of gumption or in that first ten credible threat. Yeah, yeah. it's just going to immediately feel like a leader at jeopardy again. But I think it's a great opportunity to put the boot on the on the top of their heads. You know, just just, just you know keep them down there. Brutal keep language from Joe Donnelly. There, let's, let's stick some boots on heads. <laughs> <laughs> let's crush those necks. <laughs> the spirits. That's the only thing we want to crush. We want to crush spirits and chances of survival. That's all. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think I mean, what, Leeds playing Watford and Burnley playing Everton in the same week, the thing, the landscape could be vastly different for for, for differing reasons oh in a week's time. So yeah, I, th- I can feel the trepidation in your voice. Yeah, um, I think it's, yeah, it's going to be a bit a bit juicy next Saturday. I'm hoping Leeds just go out there, assert themselves quickly, and make it clear that Watford are no match for them, and, and we quickly get three points on the board and just end this. Purg- purgatory that, yeah, um, not being mathematically we're not safe. quite there yet are we we, just, we are a little bit in limbo um, but as I say a win and a draw or two and I think I think they'll be there maybe even less given um, given away some of the sides below are playing but um, we'll wrap it up there folks um, enjoy the rest of your weekends as I say a point is better than none I mean like we've been saying seven points from nine sounds sounds quite nice so try and look at it from that point of view yeah. three unbeaten is that the longest unbeaten run of the season? It might be, it yeah. It has to be, it, surely, because it's been Wolves such a choppy was, season, hasn't Wolves it? Wolves was back-to-back wins for the first time. Um, no, I think they was the... West Ham and Burnley were back-to-back, weren't they? Separated by the FA Cup. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. The league wins yeah. were back-to-back. Yeah, yeah. Um, Get me on a technicality there. Well, of course I am, yeah. Well, we're not counting the Cup, are we? I mean, no. that's, we're, not, we're not adding that to our form. No, but, absolutely not. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's got to be a good shout for being three unbeaten, given, given the way this season's gone. Um... But yeah, I mean, at least some reasons there for why the likes of Gelhart didn't start, just to try and sort of reassure us that maybe he will come in next week, because it's just, it's so plainly obvious that he has to start these games in attack, because it's just not working with, with the other options. Um, and he does, he just galvanises the, the crowd, doesn't he? Yeah, and, and talking of which, Marsha said he'll probably play Monday night, so if you want to get out and see some 23's football, Joe Gelhart, the, the, uh, the hero of the hour, um, is expected to play, providing he doesn't get another back spasm, so... Um, we'll leave it there, but thanks for joining folks and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.